I fundamentally believe that we need to adopt this capitalism that we have here as a, a concept, how we do business, which is fundamentally great. A lot of things that I agree with, but it's just it's out of date. It's mainly out of date in the sense that the crux of the matter is how we measure success. Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. I'm Nathan Stuck, your host for today's episode, and today I'm excited for you to hear from Bernie Bergener, Executive Director of the Greenhouse Accelerator, where he helps to create sustainable local jobs by advising and financially supporting startup entrepreneurs with clean tech companies. Bernie grew up in Switzerland and then early in his career helped fund and grow businesses in various countries and industries before eventually leaving the private sector to follow his passion to make a greater impact on the world and advance its future with more sustainably minded entrepreneurs. Bernie is an economist, a sustainability advocate, and an incredible source of wisdom for the purpose-driven community. You get to hear more about his story of pivoting into a career more focused on sustainability, what he's building in the Southeastern ecosystem, and what makes him optimistic about the future of capitalism and the ability to thrive while doing good. I hope you enjoy this episode with Bernie as much as I did. Bernie, great to see you. Thanks for coming on today. And uh, how are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you too. So we will spare our listeners uh, a conversation of rusty German and Swiss German today, but uh, we'll, we're here to talk Greenhouse Accelerator. And uh, yeah, just excited for the conversation and share it with everybody that's listening. So jump right in and just kind of uh, start with my, my my usual first question that is kind of uh, starts to reveal your why. And uh, so, Bernie, what do you wish everybody understood about your profession and what ultimately drives your why? Yeah. One thing I run into all the time, and I think it it's important for these conversations to go in the right direction, is that people hear the word sustainability and they put it into a a vertical, an industry, a sector, the, the, industry, the, the sustainability business or the sustainability industry, which is totally wrong and leads us into wrong kinds of discussions because sustainability happens on a horizontal across uh, all the functions in a business. It's not a business function. It happens in, it's part of decision-making in the plant, in marketing, uh, strategy, devising, whatever you do as a company, Sustainability is just, let's say, a lens, uh, a logic to discuss these issues and to make decisions. So for that to be clear, uh, especially when you talk with uh, students, uh, folks who are thinking about a career, think, uh, you know, a career in sustainability, especially for students, I'm, my, my point there to your question is you need to be an expert in a in a certain function, whether it's an accountant or a marketing person, communication person, whatever you want to do, electrical engineer, you need to be great professional that your team wants to have on their team to solve their problems before you bring in the sustainability aspects in your profession. Amen. Yeah, I say that all the time of like, especially coming right out of undergrad, you're not, there are 
multiple levels before you're going to be a director of sustainability. There is a come in and add value in operations, but bring your knowledge, bring your passion for sustainability to your job in operations or your job in marketing. That yeah, there's a there's a that the word has almost been overused so much recently that that I think it's 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 like one of those when you say a word so many times that you, it doesn't even sound right. I feel we're getting there with sustainability and it's it's lost its its meaning. Right. Oh, just to add what you said, when you when you look at companies and, and what they need as far as professionals go, there are hardly any sustainability related entry positions. Like I said, you enter as as a marketing person and then you bring in the sustainability aspects to your team as you make your decisions. And as they fill a position in those corporations, very often they're being filled by internal people who move from a plant manager to a global sustainability director or stuff like this. So you need, again, for your career, you need to find a way to make yourself relevant for that company and for your team, and then bring in the sustainability uh, aspects. Your likelihood of being hired while it happens as a sustainability person or in a, in a certain company is, is quite low. And so a lot of the times with my B Corp students, you know, they, they learn the B impact assessment. And I'm, my point to them is not necessarily that you're going to go work at a B Corp and immediately help your company certify you are taking a tool set to wherever you go to work in procurement at a Home Depot or to work in HR at a Home Depot or a Delta or name the Fortune 500 company in Atlanta, that you're just bringing this way of looking at business and solving business problems you're bringing that skill set with you and then the rest will happen. You start adding enough value, people will recognize you. So when we last spoke, you described a tension you were struggling with earlier stages of your career with not feeling like you could live out your values to create meaningful impact through your work. Could you describe that tension to our listeners, the tension you were feeling with our audience and share the overarching reasons you moved your career more specifically into focusing on sustainability solutions. Yeah, the tension that you're referring to that I may have come across when I spoke with was sort of my frustration with myself that I realized that there is something here in our decision-making process. Let's say, let's say you're sitting in a, a management team meeting and you have to discuss your capital expenditure budget for next year. How do we spend those $50 million? What do we do? How do we, how do we choose these projects? And you know, I sit there and I'm raising my hand. So should we, should we not consider this? And I'm pretty quickly run out of the right words, the vocabulary, describe what I mean, data. Uh, benchmarks, examples, stuff that would make my my point would make would bring my point across. And pretty soon, everybody, well, here goes Bernie again. We, we know what he's going to say. We know what he means, but it doesn't really matter much for our bottom line. It's not going to affect our bonus at the end of the year. So why should we care? So I got eternally frustrated that I just couldn't get any traction with it. Mostly my fault, you know, lack of lack of education, lack of uh, knowing enough about the space that I finally decided I, for one, I needed to know more about it. And for another, I probably also needed to change jobs into something where I actually could have an impact in that field and um, and make progress uh, along those questions of of deploying more sustainable business practices in those corporations. So I 
And then the other piece to that is, of course, too, which which stops us you know, mostly in those kinds of with those kinds of decisions. There is so much time pressure on what's only right. You got all these projects on the desk. You got the family issues. You got your own issues. All those things around you that prevent you from stepping back and say, "Am I really doing what I want to be doing?" And uh, I guess what you sensed when I when we talked about it was, I'm a bit disappointed that I found I got to that turn so late. It, you know, I should have spent some much more time on, on, on that question. Not that I didn't, but I, I didn't bring it to that point where it pushed me to actually make a decision. I'm in a very happy place right now. I love what to do, what I do and, and get a lot of, uh, I don't do it for free, even though I don't, I don't get any, any money for it, but I, I get paid in, I can pay it in different currencies, right? I'm, I'm, I can become part of making things happen and successes of other folks. Uh, so I, it's uh, really a great, uh, uh, a lot of fun to do all this now. Again, I just wish I, I would have either come across those opportunities earlier, maybe meet people who would have told me about stuff that I only had sort of an inkling about but didn't didn't quite know it. Uh, just wish I would have done that done that earlier, but I ended up in a good place. Yeah, I would say you're where you're supposed to be. So a lot of the opportunities that open up, you're like, man, what if I had started this earlier? I don't know if I would have been where I'm at now if I had done that earlier. So, but great story and, and definitely resonates, I think, with a lot of people where you, you eventually, you hear that calling to go follow your passion. And what do they say? If you're if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, I was up to maybe to that point about how to make that turn. I was lucky enough to work for a boss who, when I approached him with this, actually understood that I was saying and I allowed me to literally structure my job so that I could move. I gave my VP title back. I gave money back. I cut my hours for the week, um, worked from home, which I'm dating myself, which was then uh, relatively unusual, so that I could find the path to move to where I am today. Uh, I was lucky in that sense. It's not always quite so easy to do that without some really hard decisions of just dropping this and starting something totally new. I've, I was lucky enough to find a, 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 a transition uh, modus that, that worked for the company I was working for and worked for me. But it's worth a try, right? Please try the shot and talk to your, talk to your peers, talk to your boss and see what you can arrange if you feel that something you'd like to change. Yeah, and a good boss will make that happen um, and that's a good way to tell if you have a good boss or not. So I've been there a couple of times where like, never hurts to ask, you know, and if you're unhappy, what's the worst that happens? You have to go find something else. So yeah, no, I completely agree. I wanted to circle back real quick in, and ask a question. You're talking about being in those meetings. Did you learn anything about at the end of the day business? I'm not going to go down the Milton Friedman rabbit hole, but you know, business, it, we have to be even the most, you know, I'm in the B Corp community, purpose and profit, but without profit, there's no purpose. Do you think sometimes some of those early kind of the getting brushed to the side, did that help you learn or evolve your almost your sales tactic on how to sell sustainability yeah. in a boardroom setting? It was actually the company that helped me that, you know, we had to get some leadership training, that kind of stuff you do. And that was for a week long uh, seminar once in the leadership training. And the key thing I talk, took away from there that they actually wanted us to, to, to be aware of and to learn is how you can make your points. The most important piece being, I mean, 
of course, like I said, I didn't have the vocabulary, I didn't have the data, probably wasn't always courageous enough to say something there so that to could make my point. But if you take that example of a capital expenditure budget meeting, you have 60, 90 seconds to raise your hand and say, shouldn't we always think about this? And you have to be comfortable raising your hand, even though you don't quite know yet what you're going to say, which takes a good bit of courage, right? Just put yourself out there and say, hey, guys and, and ladies, uh, we sh we sh I know what we're discussing here, but we're missing these and these and other points. And you may not have that whole story together as you're starting your your vote on there, your, 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 your speech. That's kind of courage that you just need to develop, failing obviously earlier in, the, in, in, your, in your early efforts and just become comfortable to say something even though you're not quite sure how you're going to say this in that moment. Because you literally only have a few seconds, right? The conversation moves on, the next topic on the agenda comes up and your opportunity to make your point is gone. So I was lucky enough to get some training. Not, not that I think I'm, I'm doing a particularly great job at it, but at least it's sort of the light went on in my head that, oh man, yeah, this, is, this actually is true and maybe I should try it. And I did. So over time, I learned how to do this better and a bit more, more effectively. I hope. That's awesome. That was a wonderful. We just found a little nugget of wisdom there. Thank you. Speak up. Don't be afraid. So the journey you went down. So where it led you to uh, the greenhouse accelerator. So how would you describe it or introduce it to some of our listeners if they're not familiar with it? Um, who are their primary stakeholders and Describe your ability to foster sustainable economic economic development to each of them while offering your help for free. Yeah, that again was a lot of luck because I, once I left my corporate job, I got some training, some online training in sustainability, and um, and that led to a lot of connections and I met people and I ran into this Green Chamber of the South, which uh, is essentially a networking organization. Uh, they're still um, operating uh, under a bit more difficult circumstances, of course, with uh, COVID and distancing, because social networking and meeting in person was what they did. So they had to start doing things differently. But they were actually just thinking about that thing. We should help some clean tech entrepreneurs uh, build their businesses, because nobody does that here in this town. Uh, there's one organization, the Clean Tech Open, that does this with that focus. Nobody else does it. And they're, they're a batch program that do it for a block of time. You graduate, you move on. Uh, and I met these folks of the Green Chamber and said, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. And we started it uh, 10 years ago or so. Uh, we, and the, the principles of it, the, the one basic principle of doing it is reciprocity. We were all either entrepreneurs or executives who realized they've all been helped over time, uh, reaching the goals we want to reach. We want to give back. We help other people. But uh, if you as an entrepreneur coming to us, we expect you to turn around once you're successful and help other entrepreneurs. And if you're financially successful, don't forget us. Uh, help us financially. Uh, so this reciprocity piece is very important to us. The other focus is early stage because when you are an entrepreneur or you want to become an entrepreneur and you have a bit, I mean, it's got to be more than just an idea that came to you under the shower last week, but, but 
but something that has grown in you, you have some ideas about it, you may have developed some technology around it, but you don't have customers, you don't even have a product yet, uh, you don't have any investors, you're probably, you may even be alone, maybe it's a two of you. In that situation, it's very hard to find any support anywhere because the, norm, the, the, the average accelerator uh, and similar organizations, they want to see something, they want to see some traction and certainly investors won't give you any money unless you have shown that your product, some people actually pay to, to, to get the product from you. And that space from having a bit more than an idea, but not having much your story together yet, that's been our focus to uh, help these entrepreneurs to get to that level, have that story together, and then uh, take the next step to building, to building the business. So we... We see ourselves to some extent as a feeder organization to certainly to VCs, but even to many other accelerators who don't uh, usually talk with entrepreneurs that early. Uh, we also, re you know, over the years have received quite a few or met uh, entrepreneurs who came to us through other organizations who tell them, well, we're not really ready to talk with you yet. That's not what we do, but here's this greenhouse accelerator, talk to them. And they might help you make those next steps that prepare you, bring you to a level where we can actually talk with you and where you're getting ready to put a, a pitch together to find your first investors, it's if money is what you need. So those are our main stakeholders. We also do, we make a lot of efforts also in sort of, call it dissemination of, of the, the theme, sustainability, sustainable business practices. Uh, I particularly spend a lot of time with at the various colleges around town, literally with individual and uh, individual professors to bring sustainability to their class, whether it's electrical engineers, paper engineers, MBA students. I've been everywhere between fifth graders in Decatur to the executive MBA program at Emory to help individual professors who have get to know what would it mean if in your course, I mean, your 12 session course, you would actually put a bit more emphasis on also sustainability. What would that mean for this particular marketing, management, electrical engineer, whatever it is, architects, and help them get to that uh, at that dimension to to their teaching. I just it's funny as you said that I was like, hey, and you're going to have an email in your inbox in about thirty minutes with a connection. So the engineering department at, at the university of georgia so glad that came up so that's yeah. uh i heard i love to do that i heard it recently described as lady serendipity where here we are discussing all this and it's like boom so we'll see where that connection grows but no that's it's beautiful work and i love that it's early stage too because i think that's somebody who's going down the entrepreneurial route it's it's overwhelming it's intimidating it's terrifying it's a lot of it if you don't know what if you, if you haven't done it before, it's a very foreign experience. And how do you take your idea to a proof of concept, to a, an actual product, to getting customers like that? The best ideas, a lot of them die on the vine. And I think the sustainability world, we need more and more of what you're doing as well to help those actually, those great ideas take flight. Yep. Uh, the, the other point to that is that may be a bit difficult to to just verbally express it properly so that my point makes sense. But look at this space of, of entrepreneurship and building new companies. Every VC will tell you that 
we need to invest in 10 companies to be maybe successful with one or two. So in other words, when they pick these entrepreneurs, 80% of the time they're wrong. Only 15%, 20% maybe at best, they're actually investing in a ultimately successful entrepreneur. Well, take that one step earlier and they all, you talk about take these take these ten percent. So they they need to in, in invest in in a, in a hundred or see a hundred business plans proposals come across the deck. That they all will tell you I I throw most of them away and maybe out of out of a hundred I find one or two. Well, if you look at the early stage of all this development, and you have big pick a thousand and entrepreneurs are out there pitching. And all these VCs and seed investors, angel investors, push 90% of them back because they, you know, we all know it's very hard to get any traction. So out of these 1,900 never get to speak to anybody and get those with help. Well, you were 80% wrong in the second phase of this, right? What makes you think that you're less than 80% wrong when you said, oh, get all these no's to these proposals that came across your desk. Even if just, even if just another 10 or 20% of them actually deserved a second chance, that's sort of our motivation to give these entrepreneurs, potential entrepreneurs, who haven't had the luck yet to find uh, an accelerator or, or somebody who helps them and, and get going, give them a second chance and help them to maybe improve their story because there's something, we believe there's something there that actually deserves attention. You, yeah, your failure at the failure right here is very high, but there is a good chance that you might actually succeed. Let us help you to go back to these angel investors and the people you spoke to who, who sent you back the first time and bring a better story to actually succeed on your second, third or fourth try. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And sound logic too, where you're like, yeah, if you're wrong 80% of the time, the first time, uh, the second round, after you made those first, because why, how do you know you weren't 80% wrong the first time? So you shared that you're also working on Greenhouse Accelerator 2.0. What's been the biggest problem you've been working to solve over the last year? And what are you tracking towards on the horizon with version two? Yeah, probably as the greenhouse, our biggest problem has been that has been that we we literally we have not been overrun by an avalanche of entrepreneurs in the sustainability, clean tech, climate tech, ag tech, whatever you want to call it, space. This part of the country for a long time, and momentum is changing. Maybe I can get to that in a second, but this was just not something that interested too many people. Um, and this probably be the chicken egg question here in the sense that there is a lot of money around Georgia generally, and certainly around Atlanta, between angel investors, VCs, individual investors, to invest money into startups. But all these folks are ready to invest in areas where they are comfortable. In our area, most businesses, most successful entrepreneurs have made their money on SaaS-based kind of businesses, writing code and developing better software tools to uh, improve this and that or the other. Nothing wrong in that particularly, but it's just not the sustainability focus or the climate issue kind of focus that we were seeking. So we, we really need to think if we want to make an impact in that space that we carved, ours, uh, carved out for ourselves, because we believe 
one, climate change is a big issue that's not addressed intensely enough. A lot of other also social issues around how we how we grow, inclusive development, all the things that we you, you know about. We need to we need to do several things. For one, this this space is much bigger, obviously, than just the greenhouse. We need to build a coalition of the willing to actually, in a more better defined, concrete way, to build an ecosystem that supports those kinds of startups. And what we are we're missing two key things. As I just said, we're missing investors who are like actually comp because most of the entrepreneurs in our program, they make something. They don't just write code. They need to build a prototype. They need to make early manufacturing runs, those kind of things. There is not enough help around helping you build a prototype. And investors that are looking for opportunities uh, for their portfolio here are few of them are comfortable in the manufacturing space. So we need to build a, a hub that connects to more of those kinds of investors so that this follow on investment, once these entrepreneurs have grown out of almost nothing to where they actually have customers, they have sales, they have the cash flow, they're now looking to scale up, make those connections. Uh, luckily, also the space is becoming more attractive, momentum has changed, uh, sustainability is no longer the best, the turnoff that it used to be, lots of opportunities there. And investors, unlike not so many years ago, don't tell you that I want to be within an hour's drive at the most from my from the invested company I'm investing in. These things, everybody's much more comfortable to do this remotely. So we have a much larger pool. So that investor space, needs to be there and we need to have call it the maker space where these entrepreneurs can actually find help and equipment and tools to build the first prototypes so we're in the middle of pulling this together uh, we've actually just passed the first hurdle uh, towards uh, a grant application for this from the national science foundation for this not to say that we will will we get it but at least we've made some pro progress down that path to find some financing because uh, that's another thing we found out, you know, while we had some impact and I love what I do and the, the, the uh, mentors around me love what they do, our impact is uh, limited. If we don't have the wherewithal, the financial backing to actually hire people who wake up in the morning doing this. So we need to get point and uh, we are making good progress, I believe in finding this um, this coalition of the willing who agree that this we need this. This is a, a, a sector, a space in our area, geographically speaking, uh, where we don't do enough. Let's pull the resources together and get this done. Yeah, well, and that and too, it's, uh, and I've seen it, I keep seeing this common thread. Everybody that I've had on to interview and, and just from my own personal experience of this, this really cool thing that's happening right now in Georgia, in Atlanta, in the Southeast of, of, you know, those building those bigger coalitions of everybody stop worried about their own little slice of pie and everybody kind of looking at each other and saying, let's bake a really big pie here. Let's get all, you know, but you need all the components. You need the baker, you need the person with the oven, you need the person with the raw ingredients. You have to put everybody in this room together and say, let's collaborate. So I love that you're dreaming big and uh, I love the impact it's going to have. So uh, what I will say now is I, I hate, I still have a bunch of questions left to ask you. And uh, 
we're running low on time. So I feel like these are these conversations is my, my least favorite part of hosting a podcast where I'm like, let's keep going. But yeah, I have um, to do five o'clock. <laughs> been the longest podcast in history. But well, I always, I always love to wrap it up with big question, which is what is one question that I didn't ask you? Cause then you get to ask it to yourself and you get to answer it. So what's one thing you wish I'd asked that I didn't get a chance to, or that I didn't think of? Well, there are quite a few, obviously, as you said, there's lots to discuss here. But maybe on top of my list is sort of, you touched on it in the, in the beginning, and I didn't go any further today. So this why, you know, why, why am I doing it? And what's so important a bit? Because I fundamentally believe that we need to adopt this capitalism that we have here as a, a concept, how we do business, which is fundamentally great. There's a lot of things that I agree with, but it's just out of date. It's, it's mainly out of date in the sense that the crux of the matter is how we measure success. And currently, when it comes to business, we measure success in terms of how efficiently, how productively, how responsibly we use the money that's been given to us as entrepreneurs. And it's measured with your financial statements, your balance sheet and P&L, which also means that anything that is not in your P&L is literally of immaterial to you as the entrepreneur. As I said in the beginning, right? If, if you can't show us, Bernie, that this actually affects our bottom line within the next three months, why well, care? And well, that's an understandable approach. Everybody has to make a return on investment. But taking a step back, when you look at it, everything we do, and certainly everything a company does, needs, requires money, requires people, requires materials. These are the three P's, like we know, right? people, profits, planet. We're reporting on profits. Nothing wrong with that. And we need to continue to report on profits, but we need to get to where the, the people, our impacts on people and our impacts on the planet play an equal role in this decision-making process. So, and this ESG, uh, environmental, social aspects and governance, that is getting more traction is a part of that. It's still sort of at the side of everything else and sort of almost an afterthought made too often. But to get to where we have a more integrated kind of reporting that I love, I don't even use the, you mentioned it earlier with sustainability being overused. I hardly even talk about sustainability. I call it responsible decision-making and founded on you know, impact accountability. We need to, as individuals and as, as businesses, we need to accept the, our responsibility, our accountability for the consequences of our actions. And we need to measure that. And obviously that's not easy because it's relatively new. There are competing uh, metrics and systems and concepts. Uh, but you know, as I always say, the Medici started with double entry bookkeeping in the middle in the Middle Ages, right? We're still arguing about it today. So give us a few more decades to work on the proper metrics for this triple bottom line. But a lot is happening in this. We have a lot of uh, metrics now around the um, social aspect of a, a lot of metrics around the environmental uh, aspect of this. That sort of my key driver to make capitalism actually actually work and work for all and not just work for the few because that's what it does today. I picked the wrong day not to wear my, my B Corp shirt. It says make capitalism work for everyone and for the long term. So 
I didn't exactly even. What I, it didn't, is. I swear, listeners, I didn't prompt that at all. Bernie just made the B Corp argument. Um, <laughs> um, well, that was awesome. Uh, and honestly, you're right. And and the best part is, is supply and demand has shifted, or where the demand for work in that for companies that care about that has shifted to the point where it is good for business and businesses have to do it. It isn't that where anybody's really forcing this. It's just that there have been societal shifts and that's where we're going. So we're going to drive it home. <laughs> so for our listeners, where can they follow you? Where And the Greenhouse Accelerator and anything else you're involved in, uh, Atlanta, Atlanta Climate Tech, anything like that that you want to direct people towards? Yeah, the easiest way is... Um... Our website, greenhouseatl.org. We are a 501c3. Uh, we follow also uh, the news around um, our um, events that we, that we do with an, an, a group of uh, like-minded people to promote, it's the wrong word, don't want to put it that way, but to just make people aware of what's actually going on in that space from all kinds of angles, whether it's the investing side, whether it's the startup side, uh, whether it's just what you could do at home or what you could do at your uh, at your business. Uh, we do this on a monthly basis, these meetups to uh, reach out and create more of a community around these efforts to promote, essentially promote the, the sustainable business practices and the sustainable development goals. And I've been to a couple of those events. They're worth attending, the ACT events. So um, and that's on LinkedIn as well, correct? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, they're 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 a good time. So, well, Bernie, uh, I thank you. I can't thank you enough. That was, I love the passion, um, and I love I love the void you're filling in the ecosystem down in the southeast of, of being the one that is out there doing the work and leading the charge and raising the awareness. So, um, thank you for that. But then thank you for also sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks, and many thanks for having me. It's great. It's good to see. I mean, I congratulate you for, for what you do. B Corp is one of those um, fundamentals that uh, help make bring this change about. So thank you much for what you do. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be the Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.